again, everybody, and welcome back. Come on inside, doors are open. It's general admission, but the best seating's up front, so you want to get here early and hang out with us here. We're in the Frog Hollow Studios at the Musicians Cafe, and we're glad you joined us. My name is Brian Dick, and I'm here with the man who is the newest and most feared character on Paramount's big hit TV show, Yellowstone, Mr. Chris... Dear Gut Dutton Gray. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Chris, how you feeling, my man? Good. We're back for uh, November the 16th, it is. I'm back for episode number 21 yep. with the Musicians Cafe. It's getting cold outside. I think uh, the fall and the winter have decided to show back up. 135 days until April. Just saying. Oh, April. Why are you counting until April? That's just, that to me, that's spring. Warm. Yep. Gotcha. Some people would be kind of tell Christmas, but I can tell you skipped right over uh, that one. Yeah, Christmas is an afterthought when it comes to getting back to being warm weather to me. Yeah, man. Well, we're back with episode 21 and our first part two. Yeah. Yay, yay me. Mr. Tim Ferriss is in the house. Welcome. Tim, hey, man. what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. I'm tickled to death to be here with you and Brian. I'm, yep. I've dodged a few deer on the way out here. <laughs> Brought a little bourbon. Yes, I'm ready to roll. Oh yeah, my gosh. you'll have that out here. And by the way, the Frog Hollow Studios is a great touch for just being my eating table. Yes, yes, yes absolutely. Great. Frog Hollow Studios, absolutely. I've been and, in worse studios. I've been in worse. <laughs> you know, and, and Tim is one of the coolest cats that we know, and he just keeps proving it over and over. The Woodford Surf, thank uh, you so much. It's, you're it's delicious, and we appreciate it so much. Not my pleasure. Yeah, man. Chris, I brought along a menu with me, man. Are you okay with me going through it? Do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to knock it out real quick. We're going to take a look at the Outer Reaches, and we'll start with the Tallyhoe Theater. They've got a doubleheader this weekend. Um, it's the same show, two nights in a row, the Friday and Saturday night. It is the Headliner Kicks, one of my favorites. They have three bands with them called American Jet, Set, Sorrow, and The Spire. Those are the, those are the bands that will be opening. I think the doors open at 6 on both nights, and uh, Kicks are probably going somewhere around 8.30, I would imagine, in the evening. Hollywood Casino, very cool. This is an actually a cool show. Friday night they have Sublime, Chris. I know you remember those guys. Yeah, the What I Got. Yeah, band. Santeria. Those are the two oh, big hits. Yeah, they had. yeah. Remember that? Yeah. You so, even sing Santeria when it comes out. Oh, up. absolutely. Yeah, man. That was very cool. You know, they had kind of that ska music they used to call it, right? Loved it. I think it was. It, right, it, was a, it was a big bus CD when it came out. Yeah. All of us road guys were into Sublime there for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, the, anyway, they're going to be at Hollywood Casino with an opening band named Room, which I'm not familiar with. On the 19th, the next night, on Saturday night, um, and I hope I have that right. Yep. Saturday night, none other than Blue Oyster Cult. At Hollywood Casinos. How cool is that? I mean, yeah, more cowbell. Come on, right, Tim? Amen. More cowbell. More more cowbell. you got to have more cowbell. It, Blue Easter Cult's been around forever. Um, you know, I can remember back in the day going to see them at the Capitol Center. So, you know, really cool. That would be fun to go see. Bear Chase Brewery on Friday night has Mark Dunn. And Saturday night they uh, have Mr. Pete Lapp. Uh, so definitely check out Bear Chase. Box Office Brewery, very busy. Friday night, they have the Wichita Falls Band, and on Saturday, Alan Boyd and the Waysiders. Chris, I know you've seen Alan Boyd a few times. Yeah, man. Longtime Winchester guy, um, hard worker, and in fact, Shockey guy as well. He well, there you he go. worked for the Shockey Company, so yeah, big that. fan already. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. Bright Box Theater has one show this weekend. It's on Saturday night. It's the Upstairs, and it's the Flybirds with Katie Powderly, and I'm told this is a old-fashioned, old-timey bluegrass evening uh haven't heard either one of the the bands or katie before i should say the flybirds or katie before uh but it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun backseat bar and grill is pretty busy on friday night they have the road ducks uh, they come around quite often anymore and they've been around forever and then on the 19th they're having solo back it was just there a couple of weeks ago that's a dean kramer band and he's actually going to be opening with his act, Kramer and Ivy. So that's going to be on Saturday night. A lot of fun there. A lot of good music, too. The Monument uh, on the 18th, Friday night, has Disciple with the band The Protest and Amongst Giants. And I think those are more of a uh, edgier rock band. I'm not sure. I didn't really do my homework on that. But the way it looked to me like that was probably more of a sort of a, a heavier metal uh, show that's going to be taking place on Friday night. Paladin is uh, pretty busy. On Friday night, they have Jeremiah Prophet. This is in Stephen City. They did not post any shows for, sat or for Saturday night, right? 
but also I want to highlight too on the 23rd, which is a day before Thanksgiving next week, next Wednesday, which tends to be one of the most busy evenings out, I'm told. That's what they always say. Uh, it's going to be our buddy Jimmy Lee. Jimmy Lee's going to be at, at Paladin next next uh, Wednesday night. So if you're not doing anything the night before, you have a day off the next day. Yeah, man. And if, yeah, you guys did, if you guys didn't know, uh, Jimmy does a lot of other things other than just sing. He yeah. actually will do uh, some bingo every now and then. You'll catch him doing bingo out there at the Paladin. Very cool. He is, yeah, man. Yeah, he's, Jimmy's just awesome. And he's all over the place, which is good. I love Jimmy Lee. Yeah, man. Uh, P2 here in Clearbrook. Uh, Friday night has Opposite Shores. We've mentioned him several times. And on Saturday night, they have Ryan Thomas. Um, again, I'm not familiar with Ryan, but we're going to reach out to him because if he's local, we want him on the show. Uh, Piccadilly Public House. Uh, Friday night has Acoustic Soul. And on Saturday night, our old friends Mel and Jimmy Blackjack is going to be there. So definitely check them out on Saturday night. That'd be a good time. And last but not least, rounding it out, the Half Note Lounge. you got to make uh, a, a note of that real quick. Uh, not to be a pun there, but Half Note Lounge is going to be... Uh, this is Friday night, excuse me. It's going to be Robbie Lyman. Um, so make sure you stop by and check out Robbie on Friday night down at the George Washington Hotel, a really cool place there, and one of the favorites of our musicians to play in. So that is it, Chris. I went through it as quick as I could. I'm yeah, out of man. No, that's all right. I mean, we got plenty of stuff to get to. One other thing that I wanted to bring up while we were just uh, closing up the menu, um, one of the friends of the show just had a birthday yesterday, Brian Stutzman. Oh, cool. Happy, so birthday, his birthday. Happy birthday. And speaking of birthdays, it's mine. Yes. Birthday. When? Is well, it? it was the 12th. It was. Oh. Just, we ju- it just happened. But since we do this on Wednesday, we'll call it birthday week <laughs> episode. <laughs> birthday week episode was me. I like having that. a birthday week. That makes you feel like you have more birthdays in a year and without am, getting older. And I am blessed because I've had a great birthday week. Um, That's good. You know, every time that I get a chance to get in front of a microphone and it's a nondescript type of a situation like this where we're freely talking, I always want to say that if you're ever in a predicament, you're out there in trouble. You don't know what to do. Hit Google and type in the word adoption. And, there you uh, go. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for adoption, I wouldn't be here. So I just always like to just get that out there and say it's a possibility for those. It's a wonderful gift of life. Back to you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we I learned, it, we, learned it, we learned in episode eight that there's a lot to Tim um, that doesn't necessarily come out the first time you meet him. So if you haven't listened to episode eight of Musicians Cafe, make sure you definitely go back and do that. Um, if you haven't, I'll give you a really, really quick update. 20 seconds, yeah, ho- hopefully. Yeah, got to do it. Tim was adopted, like you said. He played in some Maryland bands. He's six foot seven, 300-pound lineman with WVU. He had some health problems, but then he turned to music. Bass player, guitar player. He left. He went down to Tennessee. He uh, got an internship with Masterphonics. This is longer than 20 seconds. Uh, anyways, John Denver's dog shit in his um, uh, studio. Uh, Nashville Live Sound. Diamond Rio, he toured with them. Uh, he was the guy who was uh, kind of responsible for the in-ear monitors. Um, and then, of course, the Grand Old Opry yeah, and some other opportunities that, right, that let, we're going to get to here. Let's correct some of what you said. <laughs> oh. I'm not responsible for in-ear monitors. I happen to be one of the first engineers to work on them in uh, Nashville. Gotcha. There were no other acts in Nashville at the time that were on in-ear monitors. It was a brand new deal. Diamond Rio was the first guinea pig so to speak, of a full band right. going out and performing on an empty stage, clean, empty stage with ear monitors. I was, <laughs> so I just wanted to correct that. I did well, not invent the technology. I was just one of the first users and applicators of the technology. But can you imagine if you did? I would not be at Frog Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. You'd be at my place. Yeah, oh, wow. Holy smokes. But, uh, yeah, uh, thank you so much for going over a brief history of Tim Ferriss. I'm sure everybody's suitably impressed and we can move on. Hey, what I wanted to say was we did talk last time about did I ever play in this area. And I did say Winchester, but I couldn't put my finger on it. Now, after I thought about it, I used to come down here from Cumberland and play at the top rail. In top, bunker, brass. top brass. Top brass. There you go. See, yeah. I remember. In Bunker Hill. Yeah. And I was playing in a, in a country band at that time, played bass. This was right before I went to Nashville. We had went to Nashville and recorded. It was in that band that okay, I yeah, went yeah. To, yep. to record with. And uh, we'd be upstairs doing 
like George knows, he stopped loving yeah. her. And underneath of us is Wrathchild America yes, doing yes. like balls to the wall. <laughs> that right? was called the underground. The underground. That's did exactly not, what that was called. We yeah. would go down there on break and check out like Brad Dibbins and yes. Shannon Larkin. Yes, sir. And Wrathchild. Yes, been there the many times time saw him. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was my close to Winchester music experience. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I guess we'll take Bunker Hill as close. We're pretty, we're pretty close up here. That was a happening spot. Top Brass was there a long time, and then like the underground was short-lived, but boy, it had a lot of good bands go through there. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, it was a fun time. It was a little strange to be a country band on top of a <laughs> heavy metal band in the same place. Drinks were shaking across the table. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my gosh. Wow. So Tim, I've got so many. You're, you're, you got so many chapters to this book, man. We could just almost start anywhere with you. Um, you know, I'm always intrigued by who you've crossed paths with. You know, in your time, I know you worked in Nashville with a lot of folks that did a lot of recording, um, and I'm sure that was pretty rewarding. But at the same time, was it? Was it? Uh, was it? I mean, are are they? sort of tough to work with or, or the you know everybody's you odd hours to work and it, that kind of thing it's like living in a neighborhood you've got like somebody great next door and you've got an asshole the other is side that how it is? you know okay it really is i mean like honestly the people that are hardest to work with are the least talented really i'm gonna just make a blanket statement in that regard okay um I'm not calling out any names of like any old timers that can't sing like Bill Anderson or. <laughs> uh, but you're not whispering Bill Anderson. You're not I think is what they whis- call whispering Bill. Yeah. And granted, he's never happy with his monitor mix in hearing himself sing because he's whispering Bill. Yes. I don't know what he doesn't understand about that. <laughs> but when you put nothing into a microphone, nothing comes <laughs> out of it. And yeah. there was a great little piece of paper that uh one of my co-engineers uh on the nashville network i used to do nashville now if you remember oh, that yeah, show yeah, I, yeah, I would do that yeah, occasionally CMT stuff, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. lots of cmt stuff and yeah. uh the ralph emery show oh, right? yeah so i'm working the ralph emery show and there's a little piece of paper from one of the previous engineers there that typed it out and printed it, it was a quote and it said couldn't hear myself couldn't hear the band couldn't hear shit Bill Anderson, 1982. It had the date. It was okay, beautiful. You know. right. um, so he's on the Rushmore then for you. Oh, yeah, he's yeah, on the Rushmore yeah, for gotcha. like, God bless. And there's another great story. Let me tell Bill Anderson's yeah, story. Yeah, okay, yeah. so Bill, Bill don't have any hair. Okay. There's nothing to be ashamed about with that. It. But yep. when you go through life pretending that you have hair, it could probably cause you a few difficulties. Sure. So here's the guitar player from Bill Anderson was telling me the story one night at the Opry. And they were coming back from Atlanta, and they were doing the Opry. They did a Friday night show in Atlanta, and they were coming to do the Saturday night Opry. At about 3.30 in the morning, the guitar player says he's asleep in the bunk, and he hears this rustling noise, and he can hear, damn it, shit, this son of a shit, you know, and this cussing <laughs> going on and under his breath. And he pulls open the curtain of his bunk, and he looks out, and it's Bill Anderson standing there rummaging through one the empty bunk. They're like, every, if there's an empty bunk, that's where everybody throws bags sure. and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's rummaging through the empty bunk, and, and the guy says, Bill, what's the matter? Are you okay? He says, yes, damn it, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, what, what's wrong? I left my damn hair at the hotel. <laughs> So they had to call like the Ramada Inn, you know, in whatever it is, Sparta, Georgia, and get them to buy a plane ticket and put that hair in a shoebox oh, and fly it to Nashville wow. for him to make the Opry performance. So yeah, they had to fly a toupee to his. Oh my lord! One would think that if you depend on having hair that much, you would in fact have a backup. Yes. That's why I have a spare key to my truck because I lock those things in my truck all the time. But <laughs> I would was definitely his, have a spare wig. It was his new fluffy hair, yes, so he wanted his new fluffy hair. But I mean, for the most part, any true artist that I ever worked with that had some substance to them, right, was generally pretty good to work with. You know, um, like I say, Diamond Rio was one of the first acts that I had went out with, and I truly respect everything they do. They cut everything that's on their records. They perform it all, right. You know, a lot of folks don't. Like, I tell you the Alabama story. We went to that. It was kind of an unveiling of how Nashville music business works when, hey, guys, loved your demo. 
got studio musicians here who are going to record this for you. Right. And that was kind yeah. of a, a, an eye-opening experience for right. me. And, and um, a great opening to, to what I was about to get into when I decided to pick up and move down to Nashville. But um, artists that were good to work for, like I said, Diamond Rio was good. I had a couple great stories from out there. We were in Kansas, and we're doing the meet and greet after their show. Right. And people were bringing in CDs for them to sign, and they'd open up a Diamond Rio CD, and it didn't look like the right inside liner copy, you know, the photo right, copy. It, right. wasn't, it wasn't complete on all these. And so we, I ended up going out. One of the girls that had come through the line said they bought it there at the uh, – it was like a, a city fair, like a downtown Salina, Kansas, like on the square. Okay, yeah. But a big city festival. So there was vendors all over the place. We went over – and it was a, a foreign group of people that were running a tent that were selling CDs and they were bootlegging them all. So I called them on it. The guy gave a basket of money to this girl who starts leaving and running through the streets. I'm chasing her, screaming at everybody to stop this girl. Finally, a policeman stopped her, got the money, ended up had to have a couple interviews with the FBI. They'd come out and meet us on the road, but they broke up a big counterfeit no oh, wow CD yeah. duplication yeah. ring that was heading out all through like kansas and oklahoma all the midwest like state fairs county fairs wow and you helped swallow the party we helped well, <laughs> with, with, with the help of some people who said oh hey we bought it right there and i'm like you can't do that and that's back in the heavy cd days right yeah 1990 so do we yeah. feel, do we feel like uh, music piracy was a lot worse when cds were around and i mean what we about cared about piracy then. <laughs> oh yeah we care anymore well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And then uh, I was with them. We were, had done a tour in Canada and with a great promoter. This was on the uh, Alan Jackson Don't Rock the Jukebox tour. I've got a couple of stories mm-hmm. from that tour. Yeah, cool. Okay. And that promoter uh, that ran us through Canada for, I don't know, about two and a half months had hired a, mazoo, a masseuse to come on tour with us. Right. And so they took one of the dressing rooms and set it up and Everybody was on the tour. You had a sign-up sheet, and you could sign up for a 20-minute massage. She'd do two an hour, and she'd take a 20-minute break, and she, so all day long. Right. And um, the bass player for Diamond Rio, Dana Williams, a buddy of mine, who many times when I got off the bus, people would think I was him. Look, gotcha. We look very similar. Gotcha. And so I'd tell people, I'm not Dana, and they would like give me grief. Like, oh, I can't believe that you're going to tell me you're Are not. Are you sure? Yeah, well, anyhow, so we had gotten accustomed to this massage thing, and we had left that tour and did a couple weeks on our own in the Northwest, and we're in Boise, Idaho, and I had to go out and get new locks for the bus. We had a damaged lock, and we had somebody fill it, but they only gave us one key, so I needed to go get, you know, 10 keys made for the bus. Right. And Dana had said something, hey, man, if you see one of those masseuses out there somewhere, if there's one any, anywhere, have let's give them tickets and free to the show see if we can work a deal and get them out because we used to golf all the time for free we trade backstage passes and concert tickets for golf all sure. the time it's, yeah okay so i go get the keys at the hardware store and this taxi cab driver's driving me around boise and i said hey on the way back to the hotel is there a massage parlor around here somewhere where maybe you know and i gave him the same story right we've had a masseuse on tour we'd like to get one tonight he goes, yeah, I got a place. It's right here by the hotel. <laughs> oh, so, so he drops me off, and you know, I'm young at this time, like somewhat young, probably 24, maybe. Right, right. And um, <laughs> so I go in, and it's a it's an Asian house of massage. Oh boy! And I didn't know, you know, I parted the beads when I went in. I'm like, <laughs> really? Is this? I've never been in one of these. I don't. I didn't know what to expect, you know. And like, there's nobody there, right? That's like a big foyer, right? And um, all of a sudden, I hear this. Hold on a minute. <laughs> That's pretty good. And, yeah, and, <laughs> and out comes this woman, Asian woman, well endowed in a silk robe, running at me, going, "Oh, you big awesome!" <laughs> so I was forever known on the. Diamond Rio tours, big awesome. Mm. Big awesome. Anyway, right. I had said, oh, look, I think I'm in the wrong place. <laughs> She's like, no, you're in the right place, awesome. <laughs> Needless hilarious. to say, I never got a massage and she didn't come to the show. Oh, man. 
But um, still, what a great story. Yeah, man. We had fun on that tour. We At the end of the tour, started playing tricks on one another, Alan Jackson and Diamond Rio. So last night, we're in Phoenix, Arizona, like the Sun Devil Shed, like Jiffy Lube, one of those, you know, yeah, right, yeah. outdoor amphitheater pavilion things. And um, it's a Don't Rock the Jukebox tour. It's the last night of it. Excuse me. The lighting director, Bill Golden, and I went around and took super glue to everybody's picks, all on their mic stands, and they would lay them on their guitar amps, mm-hmm. all, everywhere that they stationed anything. Couldn't get them up. We super glued it. <laughs> <laughs> Alan always has like a half gallon of water, a jug, not a full jug, but a half gallon. So, okay. so we poured half of his water out, poured a pint of vodka in it, so that the first time that he goes to grab it, woo! Yeah. <laughs> and then. He did. Uh, he had a huge hit at that time as well on that tour, which was uh, "Midnight Montgomery." I think was the name yeah. of it, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And um, that was a song where every day they would send people out to get dry ice and had a big dry ice machine, and they would fog the stage on that "Midnight Montgomery" thing, right? So we got fart spray from a novelty <laughs> joke store and right so we're there and this thing comes on and no one's back there backstage by this machine right the lighting director out front cues all Pushing this stuff button, by remote yep. control so yep, it sure. kicks off and it goes and both of us we have two cans each right so both hands are on these things and we're shooting this fart spray <laughs> into the dry ice <laughs> fan god. and the entire pavilion smelled like fertilizer oh dude. my gosh it, and the crowd was just like you know and people when they he's singing this ballad and people were dying like, oh. <laughs> so oh, man we backed that up it when don't rock the jukebox came on um then this maybe two hundred dollars this is the only time i got paid to dance ever gotcha but i made two hundred dollars by taking a long stem rose putting it in my mouth stripping down to my bullwinkle and rocky underwear oh wow and i went out and hunched on alan jackson <laughs> center stage just up on him i put my i just straddled his leg and i just said here you go brother and um <laughs> is there a picture please tell yeah, me a picture say, of this. i'd love to have something like if, that if anybody out there was in phoenix in 1991 <laughs> early 99 oh, so a you've picture. never seen a picture of it well this was before we all had phones in our hands yeah, and that's cameras true. In our i hands will start googling tonight <laughs> probably while the show is airing i was about I to see this i was about 100 pounds lighter so it probably looks a little better it would now <laughs> oh my gosh oh my gosh oh. hey but i mean you said um you're touring with alan jackson's sweet alan's one of my favorite classic country artists i you know i i think of him as classic country I obviously do i do too obviously he was huge in, in the 90s um what's what's your take on his like personality what, what kind of dude is he oh very quiet and kept to himself really yeah he didn't show himself very much i think you know to his band and stuff it was all good uh when we did all that that night they stole all of our beer and liquor from our dressing room and our bus somehow they got on our bus uh, okay i was gonna say what the and retaliation was so we all had to go back on our hands and knees and beg for our drinks back but <laughs> <laughs> please i need it i wanted to slap his sappy white silky face at that point oh <laughs> man <laughs> but no he's a he was a good guy he was i had no, nothing bad to say except for like he did turn the page and became his own promoter like back in those days we had a large you know national promoter promoting those shows but his own company, the Alan Jackson AGC or whatever it was, right. took over promoting shows. And when you were an opening act with him then, there was no catering. You right, got like right. a loaf of Wonder White bread oh, and wow. a thing of bologna. Like it was terrible the way he treated the support acts when he was promoting shows. Dang. Okay. Gotcha. So, well, I mean, he's on his um, he's on his farewell tour now, right? Is, is that, I, I, I don't know. I, I think it was heard, this year, yeah. and I think it, some of it got canceled and got postponed two years out, which I don't know how you re- postpone a retirement two years, but uh, okay. Yeah. One, yeah. Of my, one of my favorite artists before I ever went to Nashville and, and really knew anything about the business, one of the things that kind of, I, hey, I kind of like country music, was the early Hank Jr. stuff. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like all my rowdy friends, all that stuff. I, You know, young and impressionable. You know, sure. I, I, enjoyed, yeah. I enjoyed that stuff. So one night at the Lowe's Vanderbilt, hotel downtown nashville my buddy tommy rogers and i are having there having a drink on a night off hank jr happens to be in the bar too because he's staying at the the lowe's vanderbilt in town it's one of the 
only or it was then i'm sure it's not now because nashville's grown so much but it was one of the only five-star hotels so all the big if you wanted to spend a lot of money on a hotel you went to lowe's and um it's kind of in two sections and tommy and i are sitting at an upper bar and hank jr's down watching a college football game with some strangers and his wife the miss x alabama mm, right. and so college football is on and we're just talking and all of a sudden this glass gets tossed across the room and busts on the wall and you i mean you hear and, you, and here comes hank he's standing up and he's getting over the top of a guy and he's wow. going penn state because the guy must have said like you know penn state is great or whatever <laughs> penn state what are you and he makes a stupid racial remark like what are you jewish <laughs> like, what? What? That come from? <laughs> he says i tell you what history's going to remember brother history's going to remember hank williams and bear bryant that's what history's going to remember like i don't know how drunk he was <laughs> but he was drunk enough that after he did that i had said to my boy tommy i'm going to the bathroom so i get up to go to the bathroom lo and behold here comes hank jr right now i'm going to tell this story because like i go into the bathroom and he catches the door behind me and i go up to a stall and he comes up to the stall next to me like the urinals not like you know the dividers or anything there's nothing between us we're both standing there and i just look over and i go sup Cephas?" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like oh man i've just got back off the road or you know yeah in, in this real terrible growly voice and um i said yeah man yeah me too oh you work in the business do you and i was like uh yeah hank um i, I work for patty loveless uh, two I was with at the time and he's like oh yeah man Patty's a good girl blah 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 and so we're finishing and we go over to wash our hands together and I, I share this story with him the very first major concert I ever did was working for a guy named Earl Thomas Conley if that oh, yeah. Isabel sure yep. 80s late 70s early yep. 80s he had yep. Yep. Shoot, 25 number one hits right and so I had said hey I, it's great to meet you you know I, the very first big show i ever did was at in louisville and it was the kentucky headhunters opening earl thomas conley and hank jr and i said i got to work that, that was my first big show a couple years ago and i said that night during hank's encore they brought kentucky headhunters out and he presented them with a gold album for their first album and then they proceeded to all jam on honky tonk woman okay yeah for just a bluesy jam song sure so I'm recounting that to him, saying, oh, I was there, you know, the night you gave the gold record to the Kentucky Hunters, and, he goes, and you all played Honky Tonk Woman. And he smacks me in the chest, right? And we're leaving, like wiping our hands, and we're leaving. And he grabs the door, and he, he smacks me in the chest, and he goes, hey, Keith Richards is a fan of mine. <laughs> <laughs> really, Hank? Yeah. And now we're walking back into the bar. He's got his arm around me. And he's singing. He goes, yeah, the Rolling Stones are in town. They're cutting uh, their version of All My Rowdy Friends. And he proceeds to imitate Mick Jagger singing <laughs> All My Rowdy Friends. So oh, my. It was priceless, and no one has phones. You know what I mean? Oh, like yes. To be in a bar with Hank Jr. with his arm wrapped around you, playing air guitar and singing his version of Mick Jagger, singing his version of his song. Oh, my gosh. Was When I said, <laughs> I don't have to do any more, I'm doing... <laughs> Oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, but I feel I feel like a type of memory like that means a little bit more than one that you just record on your phone and you have pictures like that. that what you told me about uh, Alan Jackson with the rose and being not yeah, clothed, right? I Rocky mean, and Bullwinkle. Bit. That's a memory you've never seen a picture of. <laughs> no, but you remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, yeah. You, right, you can see you, the picture in your mind. Right. So about the business a little bit, Tim, real quick. Yeah. You've seen everybody. You've seen people that are in the you know country music hall of fame. Oh, you've yeah. seen folks that were a flash in the pan on yeah, everything right. in between yeah um what is there you know for for folks like you know some of the folks around here that are working hard to try to sort of get to the next level and you know hopefully everybody i think roots for stardom for themselves mm -hmm. is there is it a lot of grinding and a little bit of luck or is it the right place at the right time i mean i'm sure there are bands and and, and people that didn't make it that are amazingly talented but it just yeah. didn't work out. You kind of sound like my beautiful wife, Tiffany. She always wants to know how everybody made it. And yeah, there is no one answer. Really? Besides hard work, self-determination, and a belief in yourself that is un un 
um, you know, what was the word I'm looking for? Unyielding, maybe? Or yeah, maybe unyielding is the yeah, word there. Sorry. Yeah. Too much bourbon at this That's point, okay. Chris <laughs> and Brian. Uh, no but, such thing. Yeah, and I know. But no, I mean, you have to believe in yourself. Sure. No one else will believe in you if you don't. Right. And you can't take no for an answer, and you really have to be determined. Anybody that wants to do it, I wish them well and trust your own heart. Right. Uh, yeah. don't, don't give away the house just, you know, to get the car uh, or whatever it may be. Like, right. you know, there are um, there's no good set way to do it. It used to be. And this is one of the things that kind of took the, the shine off. Nashville. Lots of things have taken the shine off Nashville. I love Nashville personally for a place to be with my friends. Right. Great memories. Um, but that whole business aspect of it has it soured and jaded me a little bit i would have to say um there are just so many instances of talented extremely talented people starving to death in nashville and i realized that as i was playing i mean i had a production deal i had a publishing deal i wasn't making hardly anything Mm -hmm. and my engineering was paying the bills and i constantly had to keep going back to engineering and i'd play a little bit and i go back to engineering and um i have more belief in my ability to make money as an engineer and, and i think that's what drove me right okay um and yeah i had a high school football coach that wanted me to quit playing guitar when i was in high school because he said it'd never do anything for you yes glenn cross i'm talking to you <laughs> and uh he was like put that away get rid of that stuff that's never going to be anything for you when I left town, when I left Cumberland to go, I'm going to Nashville and I'm going to make it. His voice rings in my head sure. every time I had doubt, like, should I go home? Should I go find something else to do? It's like, I'm not letting that SOB be right. Yeah. And uh, and he never was right. And that's sort of the ever. fuel you have to have in order to kind of grind through it, right? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Because I wasn't, I, lots of people had went to Nashville from the Cumberland area. A few, I say lots, there's there a handful of people that I had, oh, they went down and they spent a year and they come back. And right. they spent a year. I was not going to be one of those people. So, yeah. And I, I feel like your story <laughs> is just so common um, that there was somebody that told them they weren't going to be able to do it. They remember that it's ingrained in their mind where it had scarred them, literally scarred them. And, you know, they use that to their advantage to, to, you know, leverage themselves even farther than they thought they could get. You know, Ashley McBride, who's huge in, in country music now, just mm-hmm. came out within the last couple of years, yep. has a song, Not Bad for a Girl Going Nowhere, mm-hmm. something like that. And basically, it's like, yeah. That sounds good. <laughs> it is good. It sounds good. That's some Woodford Yeah, it is it's very good. good. Yeah. Basically, it's like, screw you. You thought I was going nowhere, but I'm literally standing in the circle of the Opry. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, like, um, I got to take my son and put him on stage. Uh, with Britney Spears, although Britney wasn't there, but we did like the whole thing. Like she played the Opry House, and I let him run rampant on their set. They went to catering, and I said, "Get up on that drum kit, <laughs> get up over here," you know. And so uh, that was fun. Um, a couple of the people that are, you know, that I truly love, like I said, Diamond Rio is a true artist. Um, there's other people that are true artists, you know, that I think um, deserve to be recognized as true artists. People like Vince Gill. Right. You know, uh, we toured with Vince Gill. It was Patty Loveless and Vince Gill was the same management company. And um, so I did two years as the opener or middle act on the Vince Gill tour. And um, I'll tell you a funny story about Vince. All right. So the CMAs. Can I go? Because we just had the CMAs. Yeah, and I yeah, just yeah, said yeah. Patty Loveless. Yeah. And have you guys seen Patty and Chris Stapleton and Mrs. Stapleton? I can't think of her daggum name. Do Harlan County. Holy cow. If you anybody's listened to this, go Google Patty Loveless, Chris Stapleton on the CMAs. I'm gonna it's do that. Legendary country performance, bone chilling, made me ball. That's my old boss. Right. Deanie Richardson, the fiddle player, played with her forevers on that. It is one of the hands down best things I've seen in forever. Wow. Um, okay. Truly emotional, real music, real musicians. Yeah. So anyhow, I, I was working at the opera house and being a live sound guy and doing some broadcasts, I was able to work the Dove Awards, which are the, yeah, you know, the yeah, Christian yeah, Music Christian Awards music, yeah. mm-hmm. and the CMAs, the Country Music Awards. And for anybody that doesn't know, if you were in working the CMAs, 
CMA stood for country my ass. Because <laughs> no, nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing was coming off Music Row that was country. Right. You know, I mean, there's a the handful, but, you know, the shift had turned it into where we're all using tracks and it's all kind of country rap. Started. Yeah. It was yeah. beginning to start. And so, anyhow, George Jones is got a new single out and it's in the midst of this turning away from old country and they asked him to perform his number on the cmas but at a reduced time you know and they do that to a lot of people they take your song cut it to 90 seconds right right, right. so george said no i'm not going to do it i'm gonna play my whole song or i'm not playing yeah so they said piss on you george <laughs> you can sit in the front row but you're not gonna he said fine i'm not gonna do it. so he sat in the front row well, Alan Jackson, this is a respectful moment. I love Alan Jackson for this. Alan is, because he's up for Entertainer of the Year at that year, he gets to play his own song, right? His, right. Whole, his whole number, which is like a four-minute number. Well, he gets about two minutes into that number, and the band stops. Everybody looks around one another. <laughs> Drummer kicks it off. One, two, three, four. Boom. They go into the George Jones single that George was not allowed to play, and they played the entire damn song. Oh, wow. Cool. Solid. And then finished his song. So he did like an eight-minute segment when yeah. he was supposed Stick to do it, it to the man. George Jones in the front row was just like praying to you. like, Lord, yeah, I love you, Alan. So wow. That was a cool, cool Those moment. Those are good moments. Oh, my. Um, sure. And another CMA story, I'll tell you, because it's hilarious. Vince Gill could have made a living as a comedian. Really? really, he didn't have to be a musician. I love just, just comedy, though. Oh. I do. It's it's different than any other. Com- it's it's not dry. <laughs> it's just simple. It, it is I, well, and, and and as an example, so here you go. Working the CMAs, Toby Keith had just come out. Toby Keith's thinking he's big time, and he's got the hey, how do you like me now? Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, it's in one of those new song, new artist categories where they get to do part of their song. All right, and. Because he wasn't such a big act yet, there's two stages. There's the big stage that has the full band right. and everything. And then there's a, with all kinds of scenery and stuff that change. And then there's a smaller stage, the B stage, which has like a video wall. So you don't get all the props and all the scene, the set right. and all that stuff. Yeah, right. So apparently Toby didn't like that he was on the smaller set, on the B set. So like everything stopped. Like productions, we didn't know what was going on. Like he walked out to do his rehearsal number, and we never started to rehearse. So I'm sitting, you know, at the console, just sitting there waiting, waiting, listening to the headsets. Like what's going on? People are asking. We're not getting any answers. It's into an hour and a half. Wow, that we have done nothing in the hall but just sit there at the consoles and lighting people, camera people, everybody just sitting around waiting. And all of a sudden. Over the radio goes, uh, this announcement comes over. Okay, everybody, we're doing a set change. Toby Keith will be on the A stage. So the crew strikes his stuff, moves it all over to this stage. Come showtime. And we rehearse, and it's all good. Come showtime. We come back. We go to a commercial. We come back. Vince Gill's in the crowd. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And this is the beauty of Vince Gill. He goes, hey, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the CMAs. I'm Vince Gill, your host. Over here on the big stage, it's Toby Keith. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, totally non-offensive, but yet right. everybody that knows knows right. he just stuck one oh, in him. <laughs> and that just that sounds like Vince Gill to me. And, and, and I'm so glad that you mentioned Vince because he's just such an example of a classic good all-around dude and to be honest he's my favorite musician oh, in country guitar. music he can play guitar oh, like he's a amazing god i i should forgive myself or should you know be against myself there i should should take a, a smack on the back for never talking about him as a guitar player for two years i got to watch him sound check every day wow and that was an era 
that the Vince Gill band, we called him the Grateful Gill because he had two drummers, yes. bass player, six sidemen, percussion, like it was like the Grateful Dead up there. And they would go sound check and they'd do like two songs for sound check, but that last an hour and a half. Wow. Just yeah, I mean, it's just never ending jam and him going completely crazy, unrestricted on guitar. Yeah. It's to it's be dangerous, from me and you away from these guys as a guitar player. It was it's wild. It's phenomenal. No, phenomenal. Well, no, and he played a show here, and I, this is a story I heard from somebody else. I, I did not get to go, but he played this uh, the show here at the Patsy Klein Theater at, at Hanley, mm-hmm. and um, it was a long show. I think it was a three-hour show or something, mm-hmm. and um, his band took an intermission, went away. He didn't. Right. He, did he, pulled, a, he pulled a stool out, mm-hmm. and he sat there, and he talked to the crowd, and he was that type of cool dude who yeah. came to Winchester, Virginia, mm-hmm. to play this it's small show as far as he's concerned and sure. he, he's just so personal with people oh my gosh he is he's a great guy and his his wife's a pretty good musician too yeah she's yeah. also a person i mean i love her dean kramer don't give me any grace because he loves he loves him some amy great. Yeah, yeah, great and man. i think she's fantastic and a great talent she's also a whisperer like she? she does not sing loud and it's hard to get okay. her voice where you want it in a mix without it sounding hollowed out okay. because she's so soft wow spoken. okay she's a difficult one to mix um so but that's some props for whoever mastered her tracks though because you can't really tell if you look to if you if you get that master track you can't tell that well yeah but you're also in an isolation booth i'm talking about like, on a stage with drums and guitars uh, uh, yeah. that's yeah. where it's tough like yeah. actual broadcast it's never an issue but that right. game before feedback thing you know mm-hmm. yeah things start sounding crappy when they're a verge of feedback Boy. Uh, it's tough with her um and one of the things too before we get away from vince one of the things that impressed me because he's been around forever, you know, and you know, pure period, like on mm. forward, all that kind of thing. But he was with the Eagles mm-hmm. within the past few years, yeah. And I don't know if you've heard any of that when he's with them. It's, <laughs> it's every just night, insane. He, every night he used to do the uh, the Timothy B. Schmidt song. Oh, I can't tell you why. I can't tell you why. Yeah, oh, yeah, dude. It's so good. His voice is amazing still. Yeah, and that's why I went to engineering. Because <laughs> <laughs> you knew what you were up against. Yeah, oh, wow. I mean, like, when I went to Nashville, like, yeah, I mean, you know, I had a, a deal and all that kind of stuff, but it is it was in a niche area, not people like that, that just right. have incredible right. talent. And um, that made me kind of check myself. You know, I, like I said before, I went to Nashville to want to be a Todd runner to do it all. You know, I wanted to write, produce, engineer, everything. And uh, it was it, it was obvious that if I wanted to buy a house and a car, have kids, I needed to to go with engineering. Gotcha. But that got me to do some some great stuff. You know, um, Brad Paisley was a friend of mine for a good while. I, another I been in sick Virginia guitar boy. player. Yeah, another oh, sick yeah. guitar player. I, the first time I mixed Brad, he was by himself in um, where's Marshall? Is it, Is it West Huntington? Huntington, Huntington West yeah, yeah, I couldn't yeah. think of Huntington. Yeah, it was in Huntington, West Virginia, and. He opened for Patty Loveless before he had a record deal. He came up in a suit, looked like he just got out of church on Sunday, <laughs> full three-piece suit with a Telecaster that had an Ace Freely signature on it. Nice. That he had gotten at a Kiss show, right? Love it. He took his Telecaster and had Ace Freely signed it. <laughs> and he's killing these country legs, right? And uh, so we had made friendship over the fact that I had played at WVU because he had WVU stuff to him. Oh, like, yeah. hey, you know, so we just got in a conversation about that. And he was really kind. Um, always had a nice thing to say. I recorded a song on his second album, um, The Old Rugged Cross. Okay, yeah. All right, that's on Brad Paisley, too. And um, I recorded that at the Opry, and that ended up being on his album. And he says, what do you want for it? I said, just just give me credit. Just put me credit. I mean, the Opry pays me. It's, it's a weird word. I couldn't ask for any money because it was part of a live performance. But because I'm already being paid once, and that would have been a stupid yeah. thing. To, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah right. I said, just you know, put my name on the credits. I just want credit for it. <laughs> I got the biggest font in the whole damn scene. <laughs> That's cool. Good for him. Yeah, it says recorded and engineered by like 50 font. Tim Ferriss. <laughs> That's awesome. Thanks, Brad. Yeah, See, man. that's a that's something you don't even need a picture of. It's it's, it's everywhere. It's, it's still there. out there. Um and he came by like he the seventy fifth Opry performance, the seventy fifth anniversary of the Opry right. was something that I was the head of audio at the time. And that was a big event. Um so we did that, I think it was ABC. 
that we did the 75th on. And um, Brad, Brad comes in while we're doing sound checks for other bands. We actually were doing sound checks for that that show. And right. he stopped in and sat for a minute, and he got ready to leave, and he said, Hey, man, you know, patting me on the back. He says, Make me sound good. Right. And I said, I said, Hey, Brad, magic happens here, but miracles, bro. Uh, they come from God. <laughs> good answer. I like it. I like it. I think I might have asked you this question before, Tim, but I'm curious. Um, you know, I know you worked at the Grand Ole Opry. You did music at the Ryman as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We some, would take yeah. the show down there, and I would also work there as an engineer, um, depending on what was needed. Gotcha. Um, I led the renovations of the recording and sound systems at the Opry House and at the Ryman Auditorium at oh, the cool. time. Okay. When I was there, I was there. I don't remember the exact years, but I was there for a good spell, right? I, I, long enough that. We needed to do some total renovations, and right. uh, and and that was a stressful time. I think I had shared that a little with you. There's a lot of people that don't like change in the opera format. Sure, sure. There was people that complained about the sound of those damn drums, even in 1990, whatever it was when really? I was there. Right? Those damn drums. Those damn drums. Yeah, all right. the way up. To, I think I was there up until 2003. I uh -huh. think 2004, and um, I went and did a. I left there and went on the road because. It felt like a better thing to do. I went and toured with Stephen Curtis Chapman. Oh, yeah. Casting Crowns. Oh, absolutely. And uh, Chris Tomlin. Okay. Another big That's wild. Wild. We do a yeah. lot of that music. Yeah. Chris Tomlin, I mean, Chris Tomlin was so awesome. Chris is a standard. I mean, from early 90s, right? And I had the worst news. Everybody thing? said, Chris, you're not going to like working with Chris. Chris is so difficult. Chris never happy with anything. Dude, we hit it off from day really? one. He never complained <laughs> ever about anything i've got a wonderful bible that him and the, the band had signed and wrote dedications to me that's and awesome stuff. man yeah, 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 yeah same thing with stephen curtis actually my first gig with stephen curtis chapman i flew to florida and it was in miami and did a show with him without ever sound checking right it was one of those where you have to just go like right. we're on next you got 15 20 minutes I'd never worked with the band i'm doing monitors for god's sakes and this is like an eight-piece band right Whoa. like it was a big task but i got them to start the show different than they used to and that was by just starting with drums yeah. adding a bass with a groove bringing the keyboards in bringing the you know bringing one thing in about eight bars at a time and let me get that and i could look at everybody and you got that you got it you got it you got it and then Stephen said hello, and that was his welcome as he talked. Hey, glad to be here. That was his sound check, you know. Sure, so yeah, he's yeah. checking it out. He's t saying hello, and I'm dialing in. Boom, we go. I was in like Flint. They love me. So we leave there and have to take a flight to like Kansas City, and then like a little puddle jumper up to like Bismarck, North Dakota. Right. And it's in a storm. So I'm sitting next to Steven because he wanted to talk. Let's get to know. I already know everybody else, right? I'm the new guy. So I'm sitting with Steven and we're talking and we're talking some faith. You know, Steven's a very faith based guy. Sure. And yeah. I'm Catholic and I, he said that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. He gave you yeah. his blessing. Okay, yeah, good. he did. <laughs> and um, we hit some turbulence, dude, that we probably dropped 50, 60, 70 feet and dropped 100 feet. Yikes. Wow. It felt like we ran into a wall and then dropped 100 feet. Yeah. Wow. It was crazy. Stuff was getting all over the floor of the plane. I can only think about it. I was like, God, Lord, please, if you take him, let me come sucked up in the vacuum that you're taking him with. I hope I go through. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> God. Wow. So all of these amazing artists that you've been around, the uh, incredible places that you've worked at, what tipped the scale? I mean, I know you wanted some normalcy probably back mm. to your life, I would imagine. I um, but you know, to people like me or folks that are much younger than me listening to you, say, oh, I'd give anything to do what Tim's done. And I did it. And you did it. I guess it ran its course. Is that it, right? It did run its course for me. I think when I was 25, I prayed to God I'd lived to 40. Right. And when I got to 40, I prayed to God that I could be home with my family. Okay after all that time so that's what it was about it was i had kids um and i had my son first in 96 and my daughter in 99 and it took it took five years for me to find a day job so wow. to speak right it wow, took yeah. that long yeah. i hunted and hunted and hunted wow and to find the right opportunity i looked to maybe possibly teach university level audio um i thought that was maybe a route for me i wasn't impressed with the salary 
Gotcha. Yeah. Given given my teaching credentials, sure, which yeah. were only based on my professionalism and a bachelor's degree, didn't really. Right. If I right. didn't have a doctorate, I wasn't going to make the kind of money I wanted to make. Sure. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so I just kept looking and kept looking, and with the cost of living in this area being better than it was there. You know, I got lucky, and I've said it before. I'm blessed, dude. I've had so many experiences in my life. I'm so blessed that an opportunity came up with Frederick County Public Schools to do what I know what to do and to be able to serve the community, to serve students, to serve the future. Right, right. It meant a ton to me, and uh, it was a place where I could come home at five o'clock <laughs> you know what i mean i didn't know there was two eight o'clock in the damn day so i took a job where you had to get up in the morning oh my. Dude, well i i actually kind of envy your job over at the at the school system you can have it when i leave uh, well when's that 12 years uh, yikes <laughs> yikes i got a while but man I, like i say i i envy it I, I like what you do and of course you couldn't do it if you weren't as skilled as you are so we thank you for doing that especially oh, yes know, like we said on episode eight um brian and i utilize your uh talents every uh, time we go to, those are, to those, james wood and pick yes, up a microphone. I, i'm glad to be able to do them i mean there's small audio projects you know in comparison to some of the other things i've done but yet they're highly important and yeah. they need to be done well because i get compliments all the time when people don't even know they're complimenting me like they'll go to a graduation Yes, like, this is the best graduation I've ever heard. Thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it, it, takes, it took it took me four hours to set it up. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it takes a, it takes it does take four it hours. Takes hours. Time, yeah. So, yeah. and and it takes a, a, a team of people. Um, yeah. I, I've been lucky enough that our department has decided to add some labor to us on those days because it thank was God, yeah. it was yeah. you need it. it. Was killing our small crew. I have a small crew of three, but now we we go out with like eight to do graduation. Uh, that'll help. Yeah, yeah, some younger guys to huff the speed and stuff like that too i get gotcha. to get the point a little bit you know and i've come across people up there especially <laughs> in administration tim um you know who who you know freely compliment you all the time really they oh. do they say you know look um you know 80s and people that i've worked with there's like you know they have an issue call tim ferris man he's such a good guy he'll take care of it so not only do you do your job well but you're a great person to be around too so that's really cool oh my god <laughs> How do I walk out of here? My change head, my change head. your number. Change your number. Get out. Just, just run. Everybody needs just to hear run. that once in a while. They're right. They do. Yeah. It's all good. You know, everybody, it, it's nice to hear compliments because the old adage as a sound guy is everybody in the world has two jobs. The one that they do during the day and then the job of coming to the show and telling the sound guy how to freaking do his job. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I think I've actually done that a few times myself, too. Mm. So. One quick story before we go. Yeah. Right, so one night I'm out with my buddies. We're downtown Nashville. Tribute bands were never heard of at this point in time in the early 90s, right? Okay. Like, I mean, right. Tribute bands were far and few between. So there's a Kiss tribute plan. Kiss tribute band playing at 328 Nashville. It's a big club in that in downtown. And uh, it's not there anymore. But the guy running sound, who I knew he wasn't a great sound guy but he had his own little company and had a kind of an in on the club so he's mixing this kiss tribute band that we were so excited to go see and it was god awful oh no i took 40 dollars out of my wallet i laid it on the console and said go get a damn drink and let me fix this did he <laughs> no ah. <laughs> thanks for the 40 dollars though <laughs> okay so yeah let's 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 follow up on that i know for instance I, I critique DJs. I can't help it. That's sure. what I did for almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And when I walk into one, I form an impression. Is it the same with you? Do you have a hard time going to a show I do. and not I have, sitting yeah. there going, uh. it keeps It keeps me out sometimes. Like I've been working with Skippy a little bit. Skippy's a great engineer. Skippy does lots of work. There's some things that my years of being at a different level right. that I can share with some people that can accept it. Like I don't always offer advice about music mixing to folks because you don't actually know where they're at. Right. And if I didn't do sound check with them, maybe it's not the right thing for me to say, why don't you do this? And there, 
there's a chain reaction with stuff when you do mm-hmm. sand, right? And like one move doesn't just mean that's what happens. Like it can cascade through several things. But you know, I threw a couple things through Skippy, and he was like, "Oh my God, no one's ever clued me into that. That's so cool." And he had never heard of it. Well, I never heard him before either until I sat with somebody who made gold records and platinum records and said, "This is what you do." Cool, cool. Skippy's such a good guy. Yeah. Well, and to Brian's point, uh, just about the DJ thing, and I'm sure with sound, you can tell within the first five seconds how you're going to feel about that dude for the rest of the night. Yeah. You really seem like you really can. Yeah. yeah, you can. And I tell you, as a guitar player now, not I have this whole conversation we haven't talked about Mojo Mothership at all, and that's that's fine because we were just here as a band. <laughs> and I oh, yeah. did that, but like we'll go somewhere and we try not to take PA with us, right? I mean, right. we would work more if I wanted to do sound and play guitar, but. You can tell, like, we'll get somewhere, and I can tell, like, the sound guy is not cooperative, and he's not willing to, you know, cater to us and sure. to our basic needs. We don't ask for anything ridiculous, you know, but if he's just being a hard ass, I'll go ahead and open up the audiology book and, and let him know that there's somebody <laughs> here that has a clue more than you, and a lot of yeah. times that whips him into speed, and by the end of the night, I'm friends with him. Martin Obrama always says, it goes, every time we get a bad sound guy, Tim starts going off with this like lightsaber of 10,000 hertz and DBs and all these things. And the next thing you know, the guy's on his hands and knees going all Tim Ferriss. Like, I think it's hilarious. I don't ever try to do that. Oh, I don't gosh. ever try to posture myself above anyone else. I just try to share when I can. Oh, wow. You know? Well, I keep telling you, you got to put this stuff down in the book, man. Yeah, maybe one day. You, you write the book. It. We'll do it together. There you go. You can pen it, and I'll tell the story. Hell yeah, I'll do it. You don't want us to write the book because it'll be in crayon. (laughs) Probably blue. I would love it. Are you kidding me? I I would love it. Burgundy crayons. Oh, my gosh. Well, Tim, do you think you have enough for an episode three eventually? We might have to wait till spring. I have to think about uh, it. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it. It's football season right now. I'm a huge Tennessee Titans fan. We play tomorrow night. Go, Go Titans. And, um... That clogs my vision about a lot of things during the day. I can do audio, and I can do Titans fan work. I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Well, that's cool. Well, we're so glad that you took time to to share this next episode with us here and tonight. And we, you know, we always learn every time you come. We learn cool stuff and get your good stories. And this is great. I appreciate it so much. I love being here, and I love Chris's dog, who is now attacking he, the table. He has gotten restless. It's it's <laughs> yes. it's the time. Oh, by the way, our mascot's back. Lou, Lou <laughs> yes, Dog is back. This Lou week. Dog is back, and he is showing himself well right now. That's for sure. Well, hey, thank you guys for having me. I'm going to wrap this up. <laughs> I think uh, what I wanted to say is I think you guys are providing such a great service, and I'm so tickled to death that you asked me to come out here and to share a little bit about me. There are so many worthy musicians in our community. And we're going to get them on. And I really dig you guys for, uh, for opening the door for them to speak because that's something that doesn't happen at a local level, like local yeah, artists, local people. Yeah. You know, I'm out of the biz, so to speak, right? You know what I mean? So. Me getting a chance to speak here is 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 it's nice. Thank I, you. I can't tell you how much, and Chris, you probably feel the same way, but I can't tell you how much I look forward to Wednesday nights or whenever it is we're doing the podcast because we have met some of the best people. Last week, I, I, I literally my stomach hurt when I left hanging right. out with with Elizabeth sure. Furnace because we laughed so much and had so many great stories to tell and. Uh, and you know, just and it, it's like that every week when we have somebody on, you get to meet somebody different, and somebody has a different viewpoint, and it's just a lot of fun. So, uh, I hope I don't scar anybody's dreams <laughs> of Nashville. <laughs> nah, I doubt it. Well, it, it, it's it's a fair assessment of it from somebody who's been there. It's a rough game, and be ready for for it to be like war. I mean, it is. You're fighting for your life. And to be honest, uh, honest advice is better. Uh, than optimism 100% of the time. Yeah, don't ever, don't listen to what your family says. Don't (laughs) listen to what your friends say about how good you are. Right. You know what I mean? You can use that as like a little confidence builder, but don't sell yourself on what those close to you tell you. You got to win over people that don't know you. Great. And that's the key, I guess, right? Well, Tim Ferriss, you're the man, buddy. Episode 21, wrap it up on the Musician's Cafe. How long was it? Uh, we'll tell you after it stops. <laughs> Not long enough. I don't think it's long enough, that's for sure. We definitely appreciate it. One thing I left out, Chris, I want to make sure everybody prepares for the new year coming up. It's only about a month and a half away. We forgot to mention our buddies last week, Elizabeth Furnace, 
is going to be at Backseat for New Year's Eve, folks. So make sure you get your tickets early. Um, what a great band. They're going to be a, a lot of fun that night. So make sure you remember to, to get your tickets for New Year's Eve. And already booked for Ocean City Bike Week 2023. Yeah, man. Kind of crazy. So am I, actually. So that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. And uh, don't forget, guys, you can reach out to us. I've been getting a lot of great emails. You can reach us at musicianscafe1 at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can reach out to Chris most of the time on Facebook. Uh, if you have things that you want to reach out for us, uh, you know, to let us know about. If you have questions, if you have a guest that you want to get on, let us know. We'll be glad to talk to you about that. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so, so much for supporting Musicians Cafe, uh, but more importantly, supporting local musicians and local venues here in the Winchester area. And this time, Tim, thank you for the bourbon. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Until the next time, everybody. Peace.